Hey guys, welcome to Ill Natured Podcast. This is Michelle. And I'm Melissa. Horrifying tale for us today. It's real intense, so prepare yourself. Horrifying tale. Horrifying tale. Horrifying tale, bro. You may have heard it before. If you haven't, prepare yourself. Honestly, you want to know something? I hadn't heard of these two until when I was getting a list of cases that I wanted to cover, and I was wanting to find some serial killers or some criminals i guess you could say that were still alive today and i ran across these two well i've seen several folks. id channel shows well starting years ago mm-hmm. and there's just something about them there's something about a, mm-hmm. it's it's a couple like if there's how did these sick yeah. folks find each other like, oh what? dude 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 okay Love well stuff. let's jump into it, Do it so i can erase we don't this have any news we don't have anything else to talk about we love you guys thanks for listening yeah welcome back i forgot like Mm -hmm. what what yeah Mm -hmm. episode 11 here crazy we'll just keep adding episodes Mm -hmm. it's weird the number gets bigger (laughs) (laughs) so today we are talking about carla homolka and paul bernardo these two were a married couple that raped and killed young teens in canada um, there yeah. are also they are also known as the Ken and Barbie killers because of their good looks and their wealthy backgrounds. And like I just said, I had no idea who they were until I started researching them. So this is all new to me and to my searches. Not me. Um, I know Crime Junkie did an episode on them once, but it was for their fan club and I wasn't a part of it, so I never even had the chance to listen to it. But boy, are these two some sick individuals. Sick puppies. Yeah. Um, so let's start with Paul. Oh, Polly, 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 Polly. Look up his face. Very handsome. Polly B. He's a real handsome, handsome fellow. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. So, he was born August 27th, 1964, which is also my birthday. So, uh, this is Ew. not a good start already. Ew. Alyssa, I would have changed his birthday. I share a birthday with Paul Bernardo, and I got married when Joseph Fritzl was born. So, I just have all these great days in my life. Listen, Um, there are so many creeps and bad events, and so we probably (coughs) all share, you know? Man. Well, don't, don't, it's not bad. Paul, oh, I was about to say, like, something good has to happen on some of these days, you know? Balance. Yeah. Yeah. Here I am. I'm the balance. Yeah. Paul was born in Toronto, Canada. He was the product of an affair between his mom and one of her ex-boyfriends. Her husband, Kenneth Bernardo, was listed on Paul's birth certificate, and that is who he grew up knowing that who his father was. Like, he didn't know that he was a product of an um, affair. Like, he didn't ever know that Kenneth wasn't his real dad. Okay. Um... <clears throat> 
apparently he agreed to the birth certificate even though he had known of his wife's affair oh he knew she was creeping yeah from what i read yeah which is interesting yeah i guess you could say um kid kid isn't innocent at least the dad recognized you know (laughs) kenneth was literally a crappy human being oh Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I don't think he did it out of the goodness of his heart. Mm-hmm. He reportedly abused his children and his wife and was violent towards them. And it was even said that he sexually molested his don- his own daughter. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Ew. Yeah. Damn. He was also charged with fondling a girl. What? Yep. Paul's mother, Marilyn, was depressed and would leave her family unattended to visit family members on the weekend and eventually moved downstairs to the basement. It was said that his father made her go downstairs and then other time, like other sources said it was just her, excuse me, her choice to go downstairs in the basement, mm-hmm. leaving her children up there with this horrible father. Yikes. Paul seemed to be oblivious because he was described as a happy boy and was always smiling. So, even though he had a troubled home life, apparently, he seemed to be fine. He was even polite and had wonderful manners, did great in school, and was part of the Boy Scouts. Mm. He was literally, it was said that he's literally the perfect child that everyone wanted. But when he turned 16 and found out Kenneth wasn't his biological dad, he flipped out and started calling his mom a whore. And she would call him back a bastard. So they're just having these like verbal confrontations all the time. Later on, his first girlfriend, Nadine, would leave him for one of his friends because of his possessive behavior, which caused him to burn all of the things that she'd given him. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that went south quickly. Very, very quick. Um, mm-hmm. Real sharp right turn. I have a feeling he was always a closet psychopath. Oh, yeah. Because you don't just all of a sudden flip the script when your mom tells you you're... Mm-mm. He's always no, mm, yeah, I or not a not a um. He's a um. One of the ones that a sociopath, where he pretends on the outside and everybody thinks they're perfect, but (coughs) you know he's always been off. I would think. And he had this uh dude raising him. I'm sure that Mm -hmm. just right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Paul would go on to graduate from Sir Wilfred Laurier. Sorry, this pronunciation, guys. Get out. We are not good at this. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. We try. We always try. That's right. Okay, so he graduated from Sir Wilfred Laurier Collegiate Institution and started working from Amway. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. That was, you nailed it, sis. Thank you. All right. Continue. Thank you. I got a little tickled. Started working with Amway, a job where he was a sales tech for the company. I've heard of Amway before. I have too, and I couldn't figure out why I've heard of it, but apparently this is like, I mean, not just a Canadian. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. I think it might be like a worldwide corporation. Worldwide. That's how we try to be baby Mr. World, Mr. Worldwide. That's right. A pit bull. Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, I called myself Mrs. Worldwide the other day. Anyways. Yes. Not because of pit bull. Please. Thank but you. because we have, um, what, six different countries we're in right now? Stop it, Mrs. Worldwide. That's me, baby. Okay. 
So back onto the story. Paul and his friends would apply their sales techniques and personalities on women in bars. And it would usually succeed. Oh. So he tried to use his um personality and his outgoing nature to lure women in. And he was handsome. Mm-hmm. You know, back in my younger days, I was pretty shallow as far as that kind of thing. You know. Oh, yeah. He looks good. Mm, he found That's right. Who cares if they have shit personality? <laughs> right. Dated some of those. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Once Paul had joined the University of Toronto in Scarborough, he had, quote, developed dark sexual fantasies, enjoyed humiliating women in public, and beating up the women he dated, end what? quote. Mm-hmm. Ew. <clears throat> one of these darker sexual fantasies included building what he called a quote virgin farm end quote where he would breed virgin girls to rape what? yeah so he was like reeling virgins and that's a theme like when he gets into uh-huh. the rapes and the killings he wants to make sure they're virgins mm-hmm. um he also liked aggressive and forceful backdoor sex if you know what I mean. Anal. Ease. Is that what I'm Yes, about? that's exactly back, what back door. Like he likes to only enter through the back door of the home? Yeah. Or yeah, is it the anal? back door of your or body's is, home? Is it anal? No, it is. God bless. Mm-hmm. And degrading his dates in public settings. Oh. What a horrible guy. Yeah, I can't believe people dated him. Mm-mm. In every relationship he had, it was reported that he was abusive and threatened to kill his girlfriends if they spoke to other people about the treatment that he put them through. Mm-mm. Yeah. In 1986, two women were granted restraining orders against Paul for making obscene phone calls to them. Oh. So, this is, I mean, it's real, we're about to get real rough and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. This is, um... I'm just going to go ahead and give you your trigger warning. I'll probably give you another one later on in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. this is, a, I mean, he does a lot of raping. Um, so she's kind of putting that out there. After graduating, he got a job as a junior accountant at Price Waterhouse. And this is when his sexual assaults started. Mm. Yeah. Between May and July of 1987, he had raped at least three young women in the Scarborough area. He typically would stalk women at night when they got off the buses. And the first rape occurred in the early hours of May 4th, 1987. A young woman was snatched and brutally raped near her parents' home. Mm. Over the next week alone, there were two similar attacks. All of his victims were between the ages of 15 and 21. And at least one of his 15-year-old victims was attacked in her own bedroom. I think he had snuck in through the window. Yeah! Fresh air is for dead people. I don't know who said that first, but close your windows. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Leave them bad boys locked. Locked. Paint them shut. What are these freaking windows? Go outside in the daylight. Exactly. In Anyways. The- yeah. Or don't. I mean, stay in your house. You do you. you. <laughs> Whatever. He became known as the Scarborough Rapist. In October of that year is when he first met Carla Homolka, who was 17 years old at the time. She's a terrible person. Let me just get into it. Mm-hmm. Carla Homolka was born May 4th, 1970 in Port Credit, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> yes! Canada! spicy. Canada. <laughs> she was the oldest daughter out of the three girls. She and her family lived in St. Catharines, Ontario, which is 32 miles north of Toronto. 
Carla was described as smart, stubborn, domineering, being unable to compromise with others, and always spoke her mind. Mm. Not a good personality, oh, but whatever. Ooh, whatever. She was doted on by her father, but he would also insult her and the rest of the family when he got drunk. So, he had like oh, yeah. two different personalities. Mm. One when he was drunk, he was just a hard ass, I guess you could say. And when he was sober, he's like, oh. My family, I love them so much. Mm-hmm. Classic. He, I know. Sick. What's wrong with people? Mm-hmm. He also ended up moving into the basement and took on a mistress. So, okay. both of their parents had moved into the basement. I don't understand that, but whatever. That's weird. That feels like some kind of symbolic. I know. You know? Huh. Carla's mother... Carla's mother's response to this was to offer the mistress a threesome and keep going on about their lives as normal. Uh, so, instead of leaving him, she was like, let's mm, get after it. Yeah. Okay. Three ways the only way, you know? So odd. Very odd. Carla Ooh. attended Sir Winston Churchill Secondary School. And shortly after, had a depressive episode that led to her dressing in different clothes, cutting herself, and oh, claims no. false suicide attempts to get the attention she craved. Dang. She developed sadistic fantasies during this time, and after oh. graduating, she began working at the Thorold Veterinarian Clinic as a full-time vet tech. Mm. So, she was working with animals and had developed sadistic tendencies? Yeah, this is the thing. Like, like she... She loved animals. It's said even as a young young girl, she was like really into animals. She, you know, did the whole that thing. That always is crazy to me, which I guess animals and humans are two very different things. Yeah. I mean that's just crazy. But, mm, so oh yeah. Um, yeah. Well, this is where we're caught back up to October of 1987 when Carla and Paul meet for the first time. Mm-hmm. They met in a hotel restaurant. Like like I said, Carla was 17 and Paul was 23. Mm-hmm. She was at this hotel for like a conference for work. Mm-hmm. And he just so happened to be in the area too, I guess. I, I don't know. Didn't go too far to that. Oh, but right. They met. Mm-hmm. Oh. And they were instantly attracted to each other and had sex the same night in front of their friends. Excuse me? You heard me. What? Like, they all went back up to, like, the hotel room and, like, Carla and Paul are doing the thing while their friends are, like, sitting Standing on the floor. Standing on the sidelines. Yeah. yeah. Like, watching TV or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. From then on out, Paul would drive to see Carla two times a week and would slowly take control of her life, dictating everything she did. He decided how she dressed, what she would eat, what she believed, etc. Yeah. It was also said that he often called her fat and ugly, and unlike his ex-girlfriends, Carla stayed and did what she could to make him happy. Weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she's so obsessed with this dude, but anyways. Mm-hmm. She encouraged and submitted herself to his sexual behavior, and she even wrote herself a self-improvement list. <laughs> Now, let me read you... Oh, you have the list. A a few things taken directly from the list. Quote, Be a perfect girlfriend for Paul. Remember, you're stupid. Remember, you're ugly. Remember, you're fat. I don't know why I tell you these things, because you never change. End quote. 
I mean, it's kind of sad, but like also, she has a very she's easily kinda, manipulated. She's kind of sad. Like what? Yeah, bless her heart. But no, don't bless her heart. I was about to say you this know what's coming. Is you know it's coming. Real life demon. Mm-hmm. When Paul found out that Carla was not a virgin, he had gotten really upset. Now, I think I'll mention this later. I don't think he found out that she wasn't a virgin until their their mar- their wedding day, I think. But I'll mention that later on. Mm-hmm. In December of 1987, Paul would continue on with his rapes, with each increasing in violence. Some survivors of his rapes would even have to be hospitalized from their attacks. Mm-hmm. When Paul would attack these women... He would call them derogatory things such as whore and bitch, but then force them to say how great he was and that they loved him. He did everything he could so the victims would not see his face, but there was at least one that was able to get a good look at him. Mm-hmm. Now, that's another running theme mm-hmm. with Paul. He's sitting here um, sexually assaulting these women, saying all these ugly things to him, but then turn around and be like, tell me you love me. Tell me how great I am. Oh, Yeah. By March of 1988, the police had set up a task force to catch the Scarborough rapist. Mm-hmm. Carla was very well in the know with what Paul was doing during this entire time. And one victim even stated Carla was there during her, her entire attack. And she recorded the entire thing. <laughs> yeah. But these allegations were ignored by police. Which, like, big freaking mistake, number one. Yeah. In December of 1989, after dating for two years, Paul proposed to Carla at a Niagara at Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. May of 1990, the police finally decided to share the composite sketch with the public, which got them an astronomical amount of tips. Oh. So, I think they had a um, composite sketch made after some of those attacks in, like, 88, maybe. Mm-hmm. But they never released it to the public for some reason. Right. Now, I'm going to pull up this um, composite sketch. And I want you to tell me how accurate this looks. Mm-hmm. Because when I saw it, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. November of 1990, police questioned Paul Bernardo about his resemblance to the sketch. Mm-hmm. Now, let me give you, or tell you, excuse me, how the police dropped the freaking ball on this. I hate this already. Paul offered his assistance to the police and was very compliant. Police told him that he didn't have to give DNA, but if he did, it would help eliminate him as a suspect. Mm-hmm. So Paul agreed. The police got hair, saliva, and blood samples from him, but they weren't tested for two years. What? Why? Two and a half years, maybe? That's so hard. What did they do? Just... What? They forgot? No, I think they were thinking, oh, um, he's willingly giving us his DNA, so why would we need to test it? That's sick. What a freaking mind game he played with them, and the police just... Okay, sir. Yeah, wow, I'm thanks. Wow. Thank yeah, you so much. Great guy. Ugh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Paul kept telling Carla that he wanted to have sex with her sister and kept telling her that she was going to make it happen. So, 
since she was so eager to please her king, Ugh. she hatches a plan to drug her sister so Paul could do it what he wanted with her. After that, they attended to assault Tammy. Paul said that Carla crushed Valium and put it in her spaghetti. They fed Tammy the spaghetti and it knocked her out. Hmm. Paul would start trying to rape her while Carla watched. But they didn't drug her long enough. And so only like a minute or two after the rape began, Tammy started to wake up. Oh. So they stopped. Now... The Sunday before Christmas, the Homokas host a Christmas gathering. That night, after their parents went to bed, Carla made a drink for Tammy. She had stolen some drugs from the vet's office that she worked at and oh, put yeah. it in Tammy's drink. I think they said it was like... Oh, crap. I can't remember what kind of drugs it was, but something to knock her knock out. Knock her out. Right. Carla wanted to give her little sister's virginity to her fiancé for Christmas. Ew! So, like I said, I'm giving you another trigger warning! Uh, I'm giving you another trigger warning! Once knocked out, they got ready to assault Tammy. They started out by videoing her. What's even sicker than Paul sexually assaulting Tammy is Carla doing it to her own sister. Oh, stop that. And, like, allowing it! Oh! Oh! During this assault, Paul tells her to perform oral sex on Tammy. Her Stop sister! It. Stop it. And, and the, the sister's not gap. This is why this just, uh, it makes me skin. Yeah, so this 15-year-old child is laying down, oh. drugged, and her sister performs oral sex on her. As her fiancé records it. Oh, I'm gonna throw it. <sighs> Power through it, sis. I'm trying, trying to erase this from my memory as soon as it gets uh -huh. done. Tammy begins to vomit while she's unconscious, Aww. and they try to revive her. But, um, and, and during this, excuse me, they start dressing her and begin thinking of a story to tell because Tammy is unresponsive to all the attempts of reviving her. Did he, had he raped her at this point? Um... I don't know if he ever got the chance to rape uh -huh. her or if she was performing oral sex on her sister and he was about to get ready to. And then she started. And she started choking on her own vomit. Ugh. They do call the ambulance while they simultaneously clean up the scene and wash Tammy's clothes. Uh, Tammy Homolka is determined dead upon arrival at the uh -huh. hospital. She was only days away from her 16th birthday. <laughs> now... I don't know how some of our listeners are, but like if you're like me and I'm going through a case and they mention something, I go and Google the case. Yep. Now, if you Google this case, you will see an autopsy photo of Tammy. I already saw it. I was looking at, looking for pics of Tammy. Uh-huh. And yeah. There's one out there. I'm not going to post it to no. the Instagram or the Facebook group. Um... But I just want you to know to be careful, especially if you don't want to see something like this. Like, prepare yourself. Um, I was watching one of my sources for this episode is um, Murder. <gasps> I didn't see that one. Yeah, they're chemical burns. Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. Uh-huh. Um, I was watching the Murder Made Me Famous episode. 
and they flashed an autopsy photo. I mean, it had her eyes like blacked out, but like, I mean, and this is that, yeah, that that's rough stuff. So Phew. I'm just like putting that out there. Please Google brace yourself. Awesome. Yeah, right. brace right. yourself if you yes. plan on Googling. Yes. Um, the couple was questioned by police because, like you just said, there were burn marks on Tammy's face. Now, those burns were caused by the halothane. Is that how you say that word? Yep. Let's go. Yes. Thank you. Huh. Um, Carla used around snaps. her nose. <laughs> oh, we forgot about snaps. Okay, snaps. guys. Sorry. Um, during the um attack, Carla was putting it on like a rag or whatever. Uh-huh. To keep her. And yeah, would put it on her nose and mouth to keep her unconscious. Yep. And that of course gave her burns. Burn. Um mm-hmm. They said that they were just carpet burns from having to drag her to the floor to perform to perform CPR on y'all, her. Y'all, I'm looking at the picture. It looks nothing like carpet burns. So tell me why the police believe it. Um, even after all of that, it was determined Tammy died accidentally from choking on her own vomit due to her drinking too much that night. Mm. Tammy dying didn't even make Carla sickened by Paul's obsession with Tammy. She would even make videos with Paul in Tammy's clothes acting as her sister to feed into his sick obsession. They even had a photo of Tammy with them when they had sex and she would like hold it up in front of her face. What? Yeah, so she oh. continue on she could t- could continue this is on her sister. Yeah, role playing mm-hmm. as her younger sister. This only fueled the fire that burned under Paul's ass about wanting to rape younger girls. Ugh so after a night of shopping and drinks, Carla invited over a girl that she had known from the pet store who was only 15 years old. The teen was so excited to hang out with Carla, she considered her to be beautiful, sophisticated role model. But boy, was she wrong. Carla um, might have been cute then, but she is a hag now. Oh, just wait till mm. I get into that. Carla fixed the teen a drink and laced it with some drugs. After a few drinks, the teen was passed out, and Carla immediately called Paul. So, she did this on her own, okay? Just remember that for later on when she says that when they go to, like, this plea that she's some battered woman. Innocent. Yeah. Yeah. She does this on her own. She keeps, or she gets the teen passed out, and she calls Paul. And she said to get over to her place now because she had a present waiting on him. Gross. Oh, my God. Yeah. Carla keeps the girl unconscious by holding the halophane over her mouth. Mm. Then Paul and Carla take turns recording the other raping her. The girl woke up the next day feeling nauseous and blamed it on drinking. Um, she didn't remember a thing and was unaware that she had been filmed and raped all night long. Um, this girl's identity was protected by the police, so we'll just call her Jane Doe because I think she comes up one more time. Mm-hmm. Um because she does visit the home at least two more times and oh, was drugged no. and sexually assaulted at least one of those times. So this has happened multiple times to this girl and she don't I don't think she realized it until later on. June fifteenth of nineteen ninety one, Paul was out and about at night when he saw a young girl walking down the street. This girl was fourteen year old Leslie Mahaffey. She had arrived home late that night, missed curfew, and was locked out of her house. Which sounds insane to some, but I have heard in multiple different instances of parents talking, saying that if you break curfew, we're like, we're locking you out of the house. Right. And back then, it wasn't like it is now. If that happens now, call the child abuse hotline, okay? Because there are lots of creeps out there that will take your babies. 
like this. Don't walk them out. Like, I, like I said, like they didn't even think like something like this would happen. But mm, on with the story. Yeah. Paul jumped out of his car and started talking to Leslie. Leslie had asked for a cigarette, and Paul was like, "Yeah, oh. I have one. Like, come to my car, whatever." Mm-hmm. Um. Paul then blindfolded her and shoved her into the car. They drove out to Carla's where he had raped her and Carla didn't do anything. So, like, when they first get there, like, he's sitting there, like, sexually assaulting her or whatever. And halfway through the night, Carla, I think it's either through the night or, like, right in the morning or whatever, she wakes up and realizes Paul still has Leslie in the house. Mm. And that he had been raping and videotaping her for hours. And so, Carla decides to join in instead of stopping it. Oh, my gosh. Um... It was stated that in between the rapes, they would give her a teddy bear that I think was named Bunky to hold on to, like giving her a sense of comfort. Now remember that, because I think this is the same teddy bear that I'll mention later on in life. Um, after having her for almost an entire day, Paul strangles Leslie to death with an electrical cord. Oh my cord. gosh, after all that, she probably thought this is going to end. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be... Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. That same day, Carla's parents visit them for Father's Day. The whole time being oblivious to the fact there was a dead 14-year-old girl in the house. <gasps> that their daughter and her fiancé held captive for 24 hours and raped repeatedly. Once the company left, they dismembered her with a circular saw <gasps> and stuck her body parts in cement. Um, they would have to make multiple trips to dump her body in Lake Gibson, which was 11 miles from their home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So... <clears throat> That was on June 15th. So, a few weeks later, on June 29th, 1991, Paul and Carla get married. They had a horse and carriage, and Carla wore a $2,000 wedding dress. They had this lavish wedding. It looked like a fairy tale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, There was 150 guests in attendance, you know, just having a good old time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That same exact day, though. A boy and his father were canoe fishing when one of the cement blocks had come ashore. Mm. It weighed 200 pounds, but had split open, exposing the human remains. Oh, my gosh. They called police instantly, of course. And when they got the body, you know, they had to, I think they had to go out in the water and retrieve all the rest of the parts. Um, They identified her by her um braces and realized it was leslie mahaffey's body up until our wedding night like i said um wait 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 never mind up until their wedding night carla had no idea that he had raped it (laughs) (laughs) words are hard sometimes up until their wedding night carla had no idea that he had raped or attempted to assault at least 20 different young women um, this is when he told her that he was the Scarborough rapist and the one that police had been searching or searching for for three years. Mm. So I don't think she, like, it says that she, that she knew it was going on and then it yeah. says she didn't know it was going on. So maybe she just didn't know the extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like he was considered the Scarborough rapist. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. Um, it was said that Carla was mad that he ruined their whole wedding night because he was a rapist. Not because he freaking murdered her little sister. And wanted to rape her little sister. But because she had... Because he was a rapist. Yeah, Mm. we feel real bad. Obviously, he's a rapist because... Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, in August, Jane Doe 
was invited back to Carla's to spend the night and was again drugged. During this stay, though, um, Homolka had to call 911 for help after the girl stopped breathing while she was being raped. So, something similar to, like, what Tammy yeah. happened, what happened with Tammy. Um, but she called back a few minutes later to say that everything was alright and the ambulance was recalled without follow-up. What? Yeah. Excuse me, you get a call. You go. Uh, yeah. Jane Doe thankfully survived, though. Mm-hmm. Near their one-year anniversary, they decided to do this all over again by kidnapping a young girl. This would be on April 16th of 1992. Paul convinced Carla to go with him, and they found Kristen French, a 15-year-old girl walking home from school. Carla had gotten out of the car to ask for some assistance, like she had a map and, like, you know, mm-hmm. put this whole show on. Yep. When Paul ran up behind Kristen and forced her into the vehicle, threatening her with um, a knife, mm. Carla blindfolds her as they drive down the road. <clears throat> they had this entire kidnapping planned out. Like, this was not like a spur of the moment. Mermit. <laughs> they fed her supper and had Paul telling Kristen to give him positive affirmations about him. Like I said um, earlier, how he would, like, tell me assault. I'm, yeah, tell me yeah. And I'm the best. Yeah, how great he was. They then took turns videotaping each other while the other one raped her. Oh. <clears throat> Over the course of the three days, this was over Easter weekend. They ha- they had her for three days. Three days. Ugh. They raped, sodomized, tortured, and beat her. But they had her convinced that she'd be able to go home after they got done with no. her. So she had some false sense of security no. and like hope that she would get out of the situation. <laughs> but Paul and Carla had different ideas. Um, this is one of their victims that. They would later claim that the other killed. Like, there's never, Uh like, who killed who, you know? Yeah. Carla says Paul strangled her while she watched, but Paul says Carla would beat her with a rubber mallet and strangle her with a noose that was tied to a storage trunk. Yikes. Either way, she ended up dead. (coughs) No, after that, they left her body on the floor while they went to have Easter supper with her parents. Oh. Yeah. And when they arrived home, they took her body and dumped it. It didn't take long before her family started to question her whereabouts because she took the same route home every day to be able to take care of her dog. Um, usually, it only took her about 15 minutes. So, the, the search for Kristen was on pretty fast. Right. Um, sadly, it didn't help her, but... Um, there were eyewitnesses of the abduction that saw two offenders, which is a big deal, like... I don't know if they had connected this with the Scarborough Rapist or not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, most of the time they're thinking it's just, like, one offender. Right. But they were able to have confirmation it was two. Two. Yeah. So that's a big deal. They're looking for uh, a killer couple. Uh Uh-huh. They found her shoe in the church parking lot. And it was two weeks after she disappeared when they found her body. Her body had been washed and her hair had been cut. And when police found her, they originally thought the cut hair was to be kept as a trophy. But later in court, Carla says it was to try and hide her identity. Oh. Yeah. Um, after that, Paul and Carla decide to change their name to Teal after the rapist and murderer Martin Teal in the movie Criminal Law. 
They did this as a sick inside secret to signify the fact that they were essentially getting away with rape and murder of young girls. It was like some little sick inside, you know, meaning between them two. Paul also goes a step further to change his middle name to Jason after Friday the 13th movies. What? Yeah. So weird. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh, they suck. They were good at keeping the appearance of a perfect and happy couple. But Carla later says Paul frequently beat her. <coughs> we feel so sorry for you, Carla. She didn't get beat hard enough, in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> um, in December of 1992, Paul brutally beat Carla with a flashlight and left her with two black eyes. Now, this is another, like, beware, because if you search this case, there will be a photo that shows up of Carla with two black eyes. Go ahead and pull it I'm up. ready, okay? I'm not posting this picture either. Bam, blam. Ow. Yeah, I mean, it's on there. You know, it's out there. When she went back to work, she told everyone that she'd just been in a car accident. But her parents, like, sent her to the hospital because the beating she took was so bad that she really did have to get medical attention for the first time. Mm-hmm. Paul ultimately gets out by his own reconnaissance, which means a release. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which means a release without the requirement of posting bail based on a written promise by the defendant to appear in court when required to do so. So they just believed he'd come back during his court date for beating his wife. Okay. Yeah, because he's such a trustworthy Mm -hmm. guy. You know, good guy. Anybody that's good looking, you know. It has money. Why freaking not? Um, Mm -hmm. After that, it is said that Paul contemplated suicide by writing a letter that a friend found and... um, he did that shit for a team. Oh, yeah. This is finally when the DNA Paul gave two years ago is being tested well, after she gets beat the, out, the, you know, the crap yep, beat yep, out of her. Yep, yep. They test his DNA. They get a positive match to Paul and the Scarborough rapes that had been going unsolved for years. He was quickly placed under a 24-hour surveillance. Mm-hmm. On February 9th, 1993, police interview Carla for five hours so she can tell her side of the story. And she tries to stay out of it as much as possible. Like, she tries to distance herself from these crimes and, like, act like she had no choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. Like the I victim, said, playing. You're, yep, not mm-hmm. you're not a victim. They question her not only about the domestic violence, but the rapes in Scarborough and the murders. When they left the room, she was immediately like, Oh, shit. They know what's going on. And she lawyered up. Mm-hmm. February 11th of 1993, Carla meets with her attorney, George Walker. She told him how Paul raped and killed Tammy, Leslie, and Kristen. Mm-hmm. And how they were on... There were tapes on the assaults, but not the tapes of the murders. She wanted full immunity for her confession and cooperation. Six days later, Paul is arrested at his house. And an inquiry into Paul's case would later find that officers in charge violated his rights by not allowing him to call a lawyer, despite him asking several times, mm-hmm. um, making his initial eight-hour interrogation inadmissible as evidence. So this is the second time at least the police have screwed up. Yep. Um, Carla's attorney sent her to a psychiatric hospital to be evaluated on her relationship with Paul. She plays the victim and ni- manipulates the doctor as she clutches a teddy bear, who I believe was the Stop same it. one. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. 
Later on, she and the attorney make a plea deal that if she were to cooperate in taking Paul down, giving details, she would receive a lesser sentence. This would later be known as the deal with the devil. Mm. She goes on to say that Paul was the sole raper and murderer in those um, three cases. Mm -hmm. And she says Paul forced her to take part in these horrific crimes and she removed every bit of choice from it. Like, yeah. She wasn't, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, playing the victim. Mm-hmm. Like another killer couple that I'm thinking of. Ian Brady and Myra, Myra. Henley. Ugh, sickos. Mm-hmm. You know, if she's a woman, she can get away with it. She's just some... She was manipulated and brainwashed by... Whatever loser. Man. Yeah. Yeah. They think they can play the victim yeah. so well because they're women, but... We can. I can see through that. I can see that you're a monster. Yeah. And Myra. In the beginning of the investigation, though, they couldn't find the tape, so they sort of had to believe Carla Mm. because it was her word against his. Right. And what woman is going to willingly go along with her husband raping and killing young girls? Like, who would do such a thing? February 19th, Paul's house was searched in an attempt to find the tapes, but the police failed. They were not found. Mm. Kristen and Leslie's families were made aware of the deal that was proposed to Carla, and they agreed to do it following their attorney's advice. They wanted to get her to testify against Paul, and so they were going to allow her to serve 10 years concurrently for each girl's murder, Leslie and Kirsten. An additional two years for Tammy's death. So only, so yeah, so a total of 12 years she would serve for murdering three teenage girls. Mm -hmm. They were so desperate to catch and prosecute Paul, who they thought was the sole attacker, based off of what Carla said. They gave Carla the deal of a freaking lifetime. Oh, that sucks. They had zero evidence against Paul in any of the girls' murders, so they had to rely on Carla's testimony to put him behind bars. Carla pleads guilty to manslaughter on May 5th of 1993 while Paul sits in jail awaiting his trial. This is when the media named Paul and Carla the Ken and Barbie killers. Mm-hmm. May 4th- I hate that they get catchy names. You I know. know. Ugh. I know. May 14th is when Carla opens up and gives all of the details about the crimes. Mm-hmm. She suggested Paul was guilty of at least 31 women that he had raped and that he referred to himself as the happy rapist. Yeah. Yeah. June 28th of 1993 is when her official trial began, and this is when there was a publication ban put on the media about what info could and could not be released to the public. Mm. Sometime during Carla or Paul's um, trials, though, um, the media fought back and details were released about the case and then got leaked to the United States where the ban could not be enforced. Oh. Yeah. So, um, a psychiatric report of Carla was what the defense stood on for her plea bargain. And this is what it read. Carla, quote, knew what was happening, but she felt totally helpless and unable to act in her own defense or in anyone else's defense. She was, in my opinion, paralyzed with fear and in the state became obedient and self-serving, end quote. Murray Siegel, who wanted to justify this plea deal, said, quote, without her, the true state of affairs might never be known, 
a guilty plea is the traditional hallmark of remorse. Mm-hmm. Her age, her lack of criminal record, the abuse, and the influence of her husband in somewhat secondary role were factors. She's unlikely to reoffend. End quote. Whatever. Um, I don't think her pleading guilty was a sign of remorse. I think it was to save her own ass so she wasn't exactly. yeah put in prison for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And first of all. If she felt helpless, she wouldn't have willingly done all of that. Like I said, she willingly brought Jane Doe to her apartment for Paul. She willingly had sex with these women, too. Yeah. That's not something And I'm her sorry sister, about. her younger sister, right. she, mm-hmm. like, offered her younger sister up, like, yeah. a Christmas present for gross, her fiancé. Gross, gross, Like I said, she freaking drugged her own sister and offered her up to Paul. She lured Jane Doe to her house multiple times. Mm-hmm. She sexually assaulted these women and was happy to do so. She acted as her dead sister so Paul could get off. Yeah. And to feed into his fantasy. She was not paralyzed by fear, but wanting to please Paul so damn bad she did whatever she thought would make him happy. And secondly, what the hell does her age have to do with it or the fact that she had no criminal record? Right. She can easily kill someone and rape and torture someone in her she 30s, 40s, and 50s. inside her head. As she did she in her 20s. I do agree that she might not have done any of this if it weren't for Paul, but she is just as guilty as he was. Like, I don't think she would have acted alone, but, um... But now that he's opened up this side of her, and yeah. she obviously got some enjoyment out of yeah. it. Yeah. So, who's to say... Why would we risk sending this nut back out there? Well, into the world. After a public backlash, this is what the judge says. Mm-hmm. And it kind of pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Quote The lesser of two evils to deal with an accomplice rather than to be left in a situation where a violent and dangerous offender cannot be co- prosecuted. End quote. Mm, that sucks. So they were all okay with it just because they saw her as an accomplice. Mm hmm. Rather than, and thought he was more evil. Uh-huh. Why? Because he's a man. Well, at this point, they still haven't found the tapes. Okay, and so they're going off of what Carla says. Okay, I got you. Got you. That makes sense. So her sentence started at Kingston Prison for Women, where she filed for divorce from Paul. Mm-hmm. She was then transferred to a minimum security prison, and some people referred to this facility as Club Fed. A lot of people were, like, pissed off about this because pictures will come out later, and I'll see if I can find some, where she looks like she's having, like, a great time in prison. She's not suffering from murdering three girls. Um, There's a picture of her holding a kitten and another one of her suntanning, like... What? Yeah, just having a ball. Living her best life. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, she was then transferred to a maximum security facility in October of 2000, and this facility was a psychiatric facility that held tests to determine a person's eligibility for early parole. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in January of 2001, she was then transferred to another maximum security prison where she was getting death because, because she was getting death threats from inside the prison she was in and, and online. Okay. Keep her where they can get her, you know? Right. Where'd she stay? I'll get her. Oh, girl. I'm just wait. I'll let you know. Stop it. Uh Uh-huh. Paul's trial began in May of 1995, and this was one of the longest-awaited trials in Canadian history. 1995. No. Yeah, did I say 85? I don't know, but I heard 85. I don't know that you said it. Okay. 
I was like, this year I was born. What 1995. Paul wrote a letter to his attorney telling him exactly where he could find the tapes back in 1993. Mm-hmm. Oh. So his lawyer knew where the tapes were in 1993. Oh. His lawyer went and found the tapes and kept them to himself for like 16, 17 isn't months. That some, isn't that illegal? Just wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had planned on using them against Carla to challenge her credibility. But um, this, when it when it comes to light, it, you know, it it shows that Carla was in this just as yeah. much as Paul was. Yeah. Um, and there were videos of each assault with the three girls, and it shows Carla participating willingly. Mm-hmm. And when the tapes came out, I suspected the way Carla was seen by the public, friends, and family drastically changed. Mm-hmm. But the courts didn't challenge her sentence or her sentence or plea bargain, and the people were furious. Paul, what? Yeah, they didn't challenge it at all. They she already struck the plea bargain. She was already serving her uh, time, so they didn't like bring her back in like they should have. Yeah, they didn't redo it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Paul later admits to at least fourteen sexual assaults that he committed on young girls. Ugh. Paul was convicted of first degree murder, kidnapping, forcible confinement, and aggravated sexual assault, and later convicted of manslaughter in Tammy's case. Paul receives a life sentence, which he is still serving, Good. to my knowledge. Good. How old is that fool now? I don't know. Ugh. In 1996, a judge ruled once the tapes were done being used for legal purposes, they were to be burned and destroyed. This is in 1996. Mm-hmm. In July of that year, there was a six-month-long inquiry into the police investigation of Paul that concluded that the investigation was messed up by dozens of mistakes by mm-hmm. individual officers and by rivalry rival rivalries mm-hmm. between different police departments. Mm-mm. It's also stated that some of Paul's crimes could have been prevented if DNA samples had been processed more quickly. Mm-hmm. Which like I mean there's yeah. no lie there. So mm-hmm. um this was all in a an attempt to like appeal his sentence though. Uh-huh. They were trying to appeal it. The following year, his lawyer was charged with obstruction of justice Good. and possession of child pornography mm-hmm. for not immediately handing over the tapes. Yep. Paul tried using the inquiry to appeal his conviction and get himself a new trial, but it was demi- dismissed in March of 2000. Yeah. December of 2001 is when the tapes were destroyed. After Carla had served her 12-year sentence, she was released on July 4th of 2005. She remarried and... Don't tell me she had kids. Three. Shut up. Girls? I don't know. I know one of them's a boy, but I don't know what the other two are. Oh my gosh, no! Has three children. She tries to stay hidden and out of the public eye, but social media groups like watching Carla Homolka on Facebook... Keep good her whereabouts. That mm-hmm. woman. Let us all know where she is. Well, like every second. Let me read day. you a post from this group. Now, this is a Facebook group, so I'm not saying this is 100 percent true. Right, right. But right. I want to put it out there to the public. Anyway, yeah. So this post says, "Quote: Here is the news article from September 15th of 2019 that was translated from two of our members." After several appearances in the Bay Area in Salaberry de Valleyfield, our team I don't know, you know. Our team did find Carla Homolka, who now uses the name Leanne Till. How do you spell that? We're gonna Google it. Okay, but did you hear what I said? What last name she's using? T E A L shut up. T E A 
L-E, which is the serial killer rapist name from that movie. She is a sick, Still using the name. Still using the name. In order not to endanger her and those around her, it is clear that the place of residence of a person who has served 12 years in prison as a result of her involvement in sexual killings cannot be disclosed. So basically what they're saying was that they know where she is, like what area she's in, but they are not giving her exact address. Even though I think I would blast that everywhere because of how sick she is, um, the media does it to protect the children, I believe. Because honestly, Those I, poor children. I mean, I understand because some people would, you know, they send death threats, they taunt her, they would seek her out as they should, but you don't want a child hurt because they didn't ask for that low life to be their mother um and they have no control over what she did before they were even thought of um but i do find it interesting she kept the name till like i said considering what the meaning was behind it ew she looks rough that's a picture of her from what year do you know uh let me just i'll post that a little glance here we want to post on the the socials pictures of this horrible woman. Ew, outside of a school with children. Oh, just wait, just wait. Don't even say anything more. No more, no more. I'm about Don't to tell get... me she's a... The post, the post continues to say, quote, when she was released from prison in 2005, Carla Homolka Ooh. would have stayed sometime on the South Shore. She left Quebec, but a journalist managed <sighs> to locate her in 2012 where she was living in Guadalupe, where she... Guadalupe? Guadalupe? I don't know. That's it. That sounds great. Where she taught in a primary school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taught in a primary school. She was living in the French West Indies with her three children and their father, the brother of her lawyer. Uh -uh. Mm Uh-uh. In 2017, Carla Homolka would make headlines again when citizens of... I'm not even going to pronounce that because I can't. um, Denounced her presence in their region, her involvement as involuntary, or her involvement as a volunteer at the primary school attended by her children deeply angered many parents. Uh Uh-huh. So, what schools are these? And why are they not doing the freaking background checks on them? I can tell you if you'd like to know what schools they are. Yes, please. This is the Seventh-day Adventist Greaves Adventist Academy. That's a church. That's the the Seventh-day. G-R-E-A-V-E-S Adventist (coughs) Academy, where her children attend classes and parents have expressed concern. My children would be gone. Don't think for a second my children would be hanging out with her. Why are they not doing background checks? They know she Who is. Who is running these schools? And why are they allowing other a creeps? sexual predator? Question mark. Other creeps? To volunteer or work at these primary schools. God knows what this sicko does in her spare time these days. This was in 2017. And mm-hmm. can I tell you all that she has aged swiftly and poorly? Good. We'll post yeah, pictures. She looks a mess. At, and she's a freaking mess. Now, let me throw Ew. it back to 2010. Um, Carla wanted to pardon her manslaughter conviction, and there was an agreement that was made, quote, that would prevent notorious offenders like Carla Homolka from obtaining a pardon, end quote. So she tried to get rid of that, but uh-uh. thankfully she was not able to. She is not a victim. People. Paul is kept segregated from other inmates because of the threats made mm. to him. And in one instance in 1999, a group of five prisoners tried to storm the segregated area and had to be dispersed by riot. 
police. Mm. Because of his official status as a dangerous offender, it is considered unlikely that he will ever be granted parole. Mm-hmm. During trial, though, Paul scored a 35 out of 40 on the psych- psychopathy psychopathy uh-huh he crazy checklist okay. making him a dangerous offender mm-hmm. and likely a psychopath mm-hmm. carla on the other hand scored only a five out of 40 experts found carla harder to understand than paul and it was said a forensic psychiatrist hired by paul's legal team says that she was an individual who is sexually aroused by a partner's violent sexual behavior yeah <coughs> uh-huh <clears throat> yeah so, I found something interesting that I wanted to share with y'all. This was the FBI's profile of the um, suspect in the Scarborough rapes before they figured out it was Paul. Uh-huh. And I think FBI profiles are so interesting. Like, it's... Like, I could watch Criminal Minds all day long. Me it's too. so insane how they can... Oh, sorry. I got your foot again. It's footsies, babe. <laughs> Um, but it's really crazy to me how they can describe the suspect and, like, what they're like and what their motives, motive is without even knowing who it is just based off of, like, the victims and the scene and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the investigation went nowhere, even though the department had a ton of physical evidence and a composite sketch of the perp. Obviously, mm-hmm. they didn't mm-hmm. They didn't do anything. Right. Until Carl got later. beat up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, back to the profile. Uh-huh. The report said, quote, Typically, this type of offender starts his attacks in an area with which he is familiar. Mm-hmm. So, I think he was living in Scarborough when the rapes started. Yep. So, that's true. Mm-hmm. Anger is the primary behavior exhibited by the offender during his attacks. Mm-hmm. And his intent is to punish and degrade the victims as mm-hmm. he is angry with all women. Mm-hmm. Probably based from his mother, mother is what I'm, you know, seeing with. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. His anger is unmistakable when observing the excessive physical force he used against the victims. The escalation in violence is observable observable in the series of attacks as he was using far more physical force against the victims than was necessary to control them. Based upon our research and experience that if confronted by a victim who vigorously resisted his attack, the offender was the type who would likely become so enraged, enraged, he would lose control and therefore be- become capable of unintentionally murdering, murdering the victim. The sadist achieves gratification by the victim's response to his attempts to dominate and control her, either physically or psychologically, by posing a question that would make the victim beg for her life. Mm. It then goes on to say, quote, The first rape in St. Catherine's clearly demonstrated the modus operandi. Operandi? Operandi? I'm not good at Latin. Um, I'm not good at Latin. (laughs) Used by the Scarborough Rapist as described elsewhere in this document. This pattern is predictable in the case of sexual sadists. Abduction of a victim virtually guarantees that that murder will result. Mm -hmm. If the sexual sadist has held a victim, he feels in his own mind that he cannot possibly let them go. Which is true. Which is why he killed Leslie and Kirsten, or Kristen, because he had held them for so long and he was yep. like, if I let him go, I'm going to get caught. Yep. 
as his fantasy escalates, he needs more control and gains that control through abduction and forcible confinement of his victims. The ultimate fantasy of a sexual sadist is to totally possess his victims, both physically and psychologically. He seeks to achieve control over their life and ultimately over their death as well. Mm. Rapists identify as sexual sadists are statistically less than 2% of all types of offenders. There's a high probability that the Scarborough Rapist and the sexual sadistic murderer of Mahaffey and French is the same offender. So this is after the girls were murdered, but before they caught Paul. So they were linking the Scarborough Rapist to the murders of Mahaffey and French. So they were saying, whoever did the rapes is the one who escalated and killed these two girls. Yep. Which is true, as we know now. And there was also an article written by a woman who was only 11 years old when the Scarborough Rapist composite sketch was released. So Mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to read you a few of these because I thought it was interesting. She wrote how she was walking alone to her gymnastics class as her mother watched from the house until she got in the building. Mm -hmm. She then recounts seeing the sketch on the front page of the paper and asking her instructor who it was. This is what she wrote in the article about it. Quote, when I ask my instructor who he is, she tells me that is the man everyone has been looking for. The bad man who's been hurting women. Next to the photo, a statement reads, Male, white, 18 to 22 years old, 5'10 to 6 foot tall. Medium muscular build, clean shaven, tan complexion, light colored eyes, possibly blue, blonde hair parted on the left side, hair feathered just over the top of the right ear. Clothing, baby blue nylon hip-length jacket, tan-colored knee-length walking shorts with pleated front, running (laughs) shoes, no socks. This is the ugliest fit. Okay, baby blue hip-length jacket? He's out there with freaking, like, khaki shorts. Oh, this guy sucks. With running shoes and he's not wearing socks? No socks. Why are you not wearing socks? (laughs) Roosties. Y'all stinky feet. Ugh. Nasty, Gross. nasty. Gross. I wear shoes without socks, but but they're you know like ladies' sneakers, not, not running shoes. Yikes! This guy's horrible. So I'm disgusted that he's living. Me too. So Anyways, um, she goes on to say that you know she was 11 years old at this time and she didn't know much about sex, but they knew exactly what rape was. Mm-hmm. Quote, every child in my neighborhood knows about rape because it is everywhere and has been for years. It lurks at bus stops and calls from headlines, whispers its way into half understood playground conversation, screams from the six o'clock news as my parents usher me away from the TV set in the rec room. For three years, a man only known as the Scarborough Rapist has been stalking and assaulting young women. He has been following them from bus stops, attacking them brazenly in public spaces. The neighborhood marinates in its own fear and paranoia and hungrily consumes the media-driven suspicion and helplessness. She recalls the mystery man, handsome and baby-faced. Every time I hear the word marinate, I think about a steak. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. All right, continue. It's it's beautifully written. (coughs) Marinate in that. Yeah. Okay. The papers called him the boy next door. What she Mm. says next will send chills down your spine. So, oh my gosh, I'm getting chills. Like, what? I'm right here. Am I going to get chills too? Yeah, probably. Quote, 
After my gymnastics class, I head toward the main entrance of the school and pass a dozen photographs of graduating classes, each year hung in the sequentially sequentially in Mm -hmm. a long row. The students wear identical black robes, and they stare back at me, hundreds of hopeful teenagers saying goodbye. Among them is a far more accurate picture of the Scarborough Rapist than the sketch on the bulletin board. A tiny portrait of Paul Bernardo, class of 1982. Head cocked, beaming grin. Do you have chills? Because I she do. She picked him out? Like, she knew it was him? Yeah, I think. So, like, she sees this front page paper of the and composite she sketch. The She's leaving her gymnastics Ugh. school that he attended and graduated from. Yikes. See, you know how, you know, in oh, some yeah, schools, yeah, yeah. like, especially, okay, like, what first brought to my mind was, like, fraternity houses where they have, yeah. like, you know, whatever, like, the seniors are, they have, like, they're all little pictures of them and, you know, class of whatever. That's right. He's in that picture. He's oh. in the picture. That's bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Dude. Mm. Oh, my gosh. That's just, wow. Yeah. She sees, she sees him. Yeah. It's nuts. He's in her area, you know. Oh, that's so creepy. Um... Now, I'm not going to read you any more of this, but I do want to encourage you to check this article out for yourself. So, I'm going to have it linked below nice. in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give you just one last sickening detail about these two before uh, we let y'all go for the day. Uh-huh. Um, back when the Homolka family was burying Tammy, <gasps> Paul and Carla slipped something in her casket. The couple left a note saying how much they loved her and how regretful they were. And let me read you what their notes said. Mm -hmm. Paul said, quote, My dearest little sister, words cannot express the deep sorrow and regret that I now feel. You gave me your love and trusted me like your big brother. If I ever caused you any harm or pain, Tammy, please forgive me. I only wanted the best for you, just for you to be happy and to experience the joys of this world. Please forgive me, Tammy. I love you from now, from now until eternity and i'm looking forward to seeing you again once i die love your brother paul xoxo um real quick pause um paul you're going to hell and you will never see tammy again tammy's not gonna be there waiting for you she was an innocent child that you murdered and raped (gasps) carla added quote dear tammy i have so much to say to you that words cannot express i've talked to you every night and you know how i feel about everything i won't write everything i want to say you know it already i love you deeply and i will hold you in my heart forever all my love your big sister carla xoxo the note went on to say quote i love and miss you with all my heart i hope you're happy and loved in god's hands i love you so much little sister and i can't wait to see you again all my love car end quote cars go in hell too so <laughs> goodbye how can you sit there and write how much you love her and one of the best for her and that you're my sick. little sister la 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 la, la and then sick folks left yeah. it to you and your fiance to murder and kill her and rape her yeah hmm hmm Heavy. Yeah. So, there you have it, folks. The Ken and Barbie killers. The disgusting duo. One is locked up while the other walks free with her life. 
or walks Bree living her life with her new husband and her three children. Yeah, volunteering at schools, you know, know, know where your children are going to school. I was about to say, so my Kanata friends, let, let me yeah, tell yeah, you, yeah. y'all need yeah. to be aware and um, follow the face. What's the Facebook page called? The group? Watching Carla Homoga. Okay. You need to just be involved because you do not want her around. And if you really do live in Canada and you're listening, feel free to send us in if you have seen her out in public because yeah. I like, I would like to know where she's at now. Me too. Because I'm assuming she, her and her children and her husband pick up and, like, bounce around, so. I wonder how old she is. 1970, she was born, so she would be 52 now. Oh, my gosh. And you know she's going to live forever. Demons live forever. Yes. Now, let me give you our sources while we, um, you know, before I let y'all go. Uh Uh-huh. So, the sources. I read the book, The Sex Slave Murders True Crime Bundle by R. Barry Flowers. Um, Wikipedia, Criminal Minds Wiki, all that's interesting article. Article. <laughs> I'm about done <laughs> Let's today. Keep it going. The Sun article and um the one that the the 11 year old girl that had seen him in her yep. school that picture or whatever that was from the Walrus um boy next door and I'll um link all of that. In the show notes. Um, of course, we'll post pictures of... Oh, oh, sorry. And I forgot. Murder Made Me Famous. It was um, season six, episode six. And I'll link that episode down, too. I watched it on Pluto TV for free. Very nice. So, um... I'm glad it's over. Me, too. We'll post pictures. It's not as satisfying when they're still out, especially out there living their lives free. Oh, my gosh. Like, at least Paul's in jail. But, like, homegirl is just out and about, just chilling and having fun. How has nobody taken her out yet is my question. And who's letting her work at the schoolhouse? We need to know. For real. For real. Until she is not employed. Any more. Anyway, I'm glad I'm glad it's over. I hope it was very informative, Alyssa. Great job. Thank you. Um it was horrifying. And yeah, so let's go enjoy our Saturday. Yeah, we get to go spend time with our families after that. And have some really normal experiences. Yeah. Ew. Anyway. All right, friends. Well, we do thank you for listening. And as always, follow us on the Instagram. At Ill Natured Pod. The Facebook group. Ill Natured Podcast. The Twitter. I don't remember the Twitter. Ill Natured Pod. Ill Natured Same Pod. Same as the Insta. Okay. Um, our email. Ill Natured Pod at Yahoo.com. Word up. Please email us. Alyssa's only getting Yahoo emails. Yeah, and like Twitter notifications from other people that are tweeting because we it. have no followers on Twitter. <laughs> Stop it. So let's, let's change that, please. <coughs> I know Thank plenty you. of y'all listen. Yeah. And we don't be gotten that many followers. Our Facebook group is. Our Facebook group almost has 400 members. Thanks so that's to all cool. my awesome Facebook friends. Yeah, mind you, I think y'all are killing it on, on the on the Facebook. I only hope y'all like the pod. And I'm going to re- uh, remind y'all again about the map. So if you're listening, yes. go comment on that post. Uh-huh. Tell us where you're listening from so we can color in all of the states, the 50 states. Yeah, all 50. So. I'm about to crash. We got into the Easter candy. The mm-hmm. kids' Easter candy. Sorry, children. That's that's why we're having so much, such a hard time talking and following. Y'all, our... I don't know what's gotten into me, but I literally <sighs> forgot how to speak English this episode. Um, 
So I'm going to edit as much as I possibly can, but there's going to be so much to do. Like, it's just going to be well, hot as the breath. I would just leave it like it is. This so, is real life. Yeah. Um, All right. Spread our podcast news like wildflower, baby. Please and thank you. And also, <laughs> review, rate, and subscribe yes. to the podcast. We need all the reviews so we can get more listeners. We can keep doing this. And have better recording ever. equipment is what I would like. That's, that's our goal. Okay, that's all yeah. we're here for. Let's have fun. Let's put some content out there for y'all that you want to listen to. That isn't. Yeah, I was eating pop rocks at one point. I hope you couldn't hear. <laughs> I was chewing gum. It was just a lot. We're a lot over here. A lot. A lot um, of candy has been eaten. Man, but come back next week. Next week we have. What are we doing next week? Mark Dabardalaben. Oh, Never heard of this cat. I don't know if you all have disturbing you know it's more of the same <coughs> i haven't decided what case i was doing next maybe something that's really like no probably not i mean you are listening true to crime a true crime not, podcast true crime so light. so yeah the cult the cult episode that i did last week is probably about as light as we're gonna go um mark gillette jabarta laban is not light there are so many that i want to do y'all like please i have a whole list like i could scroll for hours but yeah, just hit us up. Next we'll week. be here on Tuesday. You can believe that. Yep. At midnight. <laughs> Monday at midnight. You mean me and we'll have this debate all the time. I think y'all let us know now because I'm just okay. confused. I think it would be considered Tuesday at midnight. Yeah, but because I it's still Tuesday. Can't. Monday at midnight. That's still Monday. I haven't rolled into the next day until at least two a.m. I mean, I know what it's supposed to be, but. I would say Monday. I would know what you were talking about if you said Monday at midnight. And I would be be here Monday at Tuesday midnight. Why don't you just check us out at 1 a.m. on Tuesday morning? How about that? <laughs> that's. I'm sorry. That's still considered Monday to me. <laughs> 5 a.m. is too... I'm kidding. All right. All, All right. right well, my husband's blowing my phone up because he's, it's like, stressing himself go. out. So, hit y'all up next week. All Love right. you much. Love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.